0: NWSL ACES podcast were brought to you by uh, MLS Aces organization. Uh, we have a very special first guest on with me now. I am your host, Jason Vivang, and our first guest is a former member of the US women's national team. She also played in the W League and NWSL. She's now a commentator and part of the CBS commentary team for the NWSL Challenge Cup. We have Lori Lindsay on. Lori, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we're really happy to have you on here, especially for you know this is technically our first full episode of our uh, new NWSL uh, specific podcast, um, so we're pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, awesome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I mean, we can just dive right into the questions we have here. Um, so, Lori, you you've been announcing during the you know this tournament during COVID, uh, and the tournament obviously is in Utah, but you're not on site, correct? So how do you you know, deal with giving these live reports during games while not actually being in the stadium watching? Uh, it seems like you have a really good uh, on-air relationship with Mike Watts too, which, I mean, that, that seems really, really solid
1: for you. Yeah, well, Mike and I have worked together before, so that's always a positive when you have some sort of connection or understanding of the The play-by-play or the analyst, depending on who you're working with. So, so that was um, a positive coming into the the tournament. But also, I mean, this isn't my first time. I've called a lot of games um, live at events, right? But also, this is somewhat the way of the future, so to speak. I think for um, broadcast um, to work remotely and to be able to put tournaments on um, of this of this caliber um, from off-site, right? Essentially, and it is tough because you have, besides like being, particularly as an analyst, you have, you know, one of the things is to be able to pick up like tactical stuff when you're live at the event, yeah. And able to see what's going on on the bench and just the energy and feel the energy of the crowd and all of that jazz. But like, obviously, we don't have crowds. And um, but one thing that is is very cool is that we do have a lot of monitors. I like get different angles in um, different cameras that are showing me different parts of the field rather than just what the viewer is seeing as well. So yeah. there is some tri- trials and tribulations with it in terms of um, everything going on, but um, for the most part, Vista World Link, um, where we're calling the games from uh, in Fort Lauderdale, uh, CBS, obviously, their co- commitment, everybody behind the scenes has made it so seamless for us. So do you have...
0: that? That kind of brings me to my like another question about that. So you guys aren't seeing what we're seeing, right? So you're seeing multiple angles, multiple, maybe like a a different view all the time. So you're able to see, you know, the formation in a a better way
1: or what's kind of players switching on and off um, in that sense? Uh, Well, I am seeing what you're seeing as well. So my main monitor is Mm -hmm. what you all are seeing. But then we have a few, some different camera angles as well that, yes, gives me a more panned out look um, depending... And, um, you know, I can always see who's on the ball, like a, a very specific ball carrier. So there's a lot of things going on from different monitors. Whereas mm-hmm. I have some of those monitors live as well, but I could also see the big picture from a stadium um, in a different way, right? Seeing formation yeah. easier, yeah. but yes.
0: So you think going forward, like, this is going to become more normal to be broadcasting off-site? Or going, okay. you know, after COVID, you think it'll be back to being in the stadium
1: well even before covid and everything hit um this was um a way to to announce games really is um you know vista world link is known for calling a ton of usl a ton of mls and um and nwsl as well and it, mm-hmm. so when you think about cost-efficient um, travel and all that kind of stuff, it—I it, don't—I'm not saying that it's going to be the only way, right? But it, I yeah, think yeah, see um, games like this for sure going forward as well. Yeah, well, it seems like it's working really well. I mean,
0: I—I <laughs> wouldn't even know unless you know if you didn't think about it. Um, but I kind of want to talk about some, you know, more more of the actual gameplay. So are there any specific players who you have felt have kind of broken out in this tournament or maybe cementing a more permanent position on their specific team or even getting more recognition and and possibly we see them at an international level in the future?
1: Yeah, I think there's actually quite a few that, um, and Mm -hmm. what has been exciting about this tournament is it's um, kind of solidified um, a way that Flacco and Inoski, um, our U.S. Women's National Team coach and Kate yeah. McGrath, the general manager, our U.S. Women's National Team have been able to see players in a different environment than you typically would throughout an um, entire season, and it gave a lot of. It's given a lot of younger players um, opportunities that potentially they wouldn't have seen in the regular season either. When it's like a lot more of a grind, you have fewer subs, right? And um, yeah. so yes, I mean, in particular, right off the bat, um, even though she doesn't play with our U.S. Women's National Team, but in general just for for the league, Rachel Daly. She'll be playing in the final tomorrow. We've yeah. you know, she's been known in the league, um, but I think this has been more of a, a coming out story for her in terms of her play and how she's matured as a player, um, how she's carried her Houston Dash team that typically, as they would say, but it's it's a fair, fair comment, haven't gotten a lot of respect in the league. And and for a team that doesn't have any US women's national team players on it or allocated yeah. players, I mean they've done well. Um another one for Houston would be Christy Mewis. She's seen time with the national team, but got injured a few seasons ago. It's really made her way back. And I think her ceiling is still incredibly high. And we're seeing glimpses of the old Christy Mewis, but also the new Christy Mewis of, again, a matured, a matured player who um, has some really special gifts on the field that you – but I don't think it's matched a lot in other midfielders. Uh, and then some younger players, I mean, just to name some. Um, I think Elizabeth Ball for Utah, I, I thought she was outstanding. Um, another one, Alana Cook, another younger player who's playing overseas right now but was on loan, um, I, I think from PSG, but she's playing for O.L. Reign. She's a center back. I thought she was very sophisticated. Uh-huh. First week it took her a little bit to get, I think, adjusted to the level, but then you right immediately could see um, – her caliber of play. And then some other players, I mean, some, uh, trying to think right off the top of the bat, Lola Bonta for Utah. She's been in the league for several seasons now, but I thought she was, I thought she like really kind of kept her team ticking. And, and then Morgan Weaver scored her first goal, um, in the professional ranks. She was number two draft pick for Portland and, you know, got a lot of minutes, still shows like her naivety right on the field Um, But, like, Mm -hmm. have those minutes under your belt right away as a professional, I think, are invaluable and and good for her. And I think she has a bright future as she continues to to move forward.
0: Yeah, I I actually – I was thinking of Morgan Weaver as well because, you know, watching her, obviously, like you said, second uh, pick in the draft. Portland also select uh, Sophia Smith uh, (laughs) as the first pick. Um, So right there – I mean, we didn't see Smith at all this tournament, but she's you know projected to be a top-level player uh, in the coming years. And Morgan Weaver was more, I thought, I felt as like a, a question mark of how she, how quickly she would adapt to uh, NWSL. Yeah. And I thought she's done a phenomenal job, just like running at back lines. Um, seems like she just has all the energy in the world, honestly. But. Um, like you said, she got her first goal, so I, I think she's going to be very exciting to watch uh, in the future.
1: Yeah, she has a maturity in a way that, um, or an understanding of her game, that I didn't really expect to see as much, because in, sh- mm-hmm. in college it was like a more run-and-gun type play, but I think she showed some some versatility that I think will benefit her going forward.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect to see her this quickly, I guess, making mm-hmm. such a big impact. That- um so uh, recently, Sam Mewis, there was some news that she was going over to Manchester City in Europe. Um, so I want to think, like, do you think that there's a possibility for more NWSL this year? Or do you think we'll see more players of that caliber, you know, following Sam Mewis to Europe for the remainder of the year? I know uh, there's some rumors Rose Lavelle was going to follow her there. Um, but yeah, just like, do you, see, do you see more NWSL or do you see more of the, this route?
1: You know, I think there's, I think there's a, a bit of both, right? Um, the rumors are that mm-hmm. that, um, that the league does want to play more games, and I think that's still ongoing um, conversations and, and yet to be seen on what that would look like, if any. Um, but at the same time, uh, I do think that we could see more players going overseas, and and yeah. I necessarily don't think that's a bad thing. You know, and I, I know kind of the the initial reaction for people is like, oh no, we don't want to lose these players, but with kind of the unknowns about what's happening with the NWSL anytime we have players playing anywhere in the movement I think is always there's always a talking point there and it doesn't mean that the, the, we're losing players in the NWSL they will be back right but um, if, if you yeah. can, individuals as players need to do what's best for them in this current moment and that means having a really clear understanding of what the next step is going to be for you and to For Sam U.S., that's going to go overseas, right? Um, Yeah. important for their careers. And we're not going to see everybody go, and it's not going to be every single player. But, um, again, with expansion, um, coming into this league with Louisville and then Angel City making their announcement as well, I mean, really exciting things happening in the league. And so I think we're going to see some players go overseas and then come back, and I think we're going to see a lot more international players coming over as well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's it's definitely not necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, playtime anywhere is better than, you know, sitting at home. Um, so I'm, if there is no NWSL or if, if it's a question mark, I see this as a good option for some of these players to get playtime. That kind of creates more experience, creates more growth, um, creates just a better quality on the field for, for the U.S. team and just for all these players in general. Um but yeah, I 100% agree. I think I don't think it's it's a bad thing. I think it's just something that we we're, we're gonna have to come to expect as like this kind of switching back and forth between the leagues, possibly. Um, uh, well, like you said about the expansion, um, Louisville uh, coming in, I think 2021, and then LA the following year. Uh, how do you really feel about that? Because I think both of these teams have generated a, a lot of hype really fast. I saw um Louisville announce that they're already either past or around two thousand season ticket holders um that have signed up, which is a lot. I mean that's that's a really good start. Louisville's kind of this uh kind of like a sleeper soccer city, I almost feel like. Um but with LA as well, it's just such a big market. So both of these teams it sounds like they're going to really bolster the NWSL and kind of create, you know, this bigger expansion into the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I mean, I'm not even playing anymore, and I'm pumped. I think it's yeah. so exciting for the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Louisville that's been committed. and You said like almost like a a sleeper soccer city, and um, I've been there a number of times and have witnessed that. And so. Uh, what um, a great organization to come in and then obviously Angel City and the excitement around that with it being primarily women led and women owned is um, off the charts and to in particular having former players come back and start to participate and get more involved in the league I think you can't ask for a young league that's Thriving has put on this exceptional tournament, um, and the first to do it, right, and then to yep. make those types of announcements, is only lends to where this league is going and where it wants to go, and and in the midst also of a time that's been really challenging for everyone, right, um, mm-hmm. to to have a sport as the forefront to continue to bring joy. Joy and um, make these types of announcements is, is unbelievable. So, as a fan, as somebody that works um, within the league for broadcast and as um, a former player, this is this is next level, it feels like, and um, something that's needed to continue to grow the sport and the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like, too, this is it almost feels like just a, a new step in the mm-hmm. right direction for NWSO. Whereas, I mean, in the past, we had, you know, the Boston Breakers. They kind of fizzled out. Um, we had saw Kansas City go to Utah. It kind of felt like it was a bit unstable, and now adding two teams, announcing it, especially during, like you said, this really challenging time for sports in general, um, it's kind of like a really great step in the right direction and at a time where you almost wouldn't expect it.
1: Yeah, I- exactly. And I think that's the the one of the best parts about it is because there has been many periods of growth in this league some ups and downs uncertainty and then and then here we are with some of this really promising news and commitment to yeah. pushing it forward is is exactly what you want to need exactly what mm-hmm.
0: you Yeah. Yeah. Um so I I think we should talk a little bit about our final here in the NWSL Challenge Cup Houston dash for Chicago Red Stars. Okay. Um uh, yeah so who do you think will be the biggest impact for both teams? So I think really the obvious choice for Houston, like you said mentioned earlier is Rachel Daly. She's been sort of carrying them a little bit um scoring like almost every game. It feels like um one, two goals uh, really like she's a player that I feel like right now needs such little space to create and to you know get she gets a half chance and it's in the back of the net and that in a, in a small tournament style like this, I feel like a, a striker that's on their game is super deadly. Um, but on the flip side for Chicago, they've had a, a lot of change over the recent years, but um, I think Kalia Watt, who who's just come in, this is her first season with Chicago, um, I think she could possibly get her first goal in, in the first half for Sky Blue. She was finding tons of space, and it just felt like that final pass or that final shot wasn't quite there but I felt like I really liked where it was going with her.
1: Yeah. And I think those are two those are two picks that I would I would choose as well. Um for Rachel Daly I think I would just add that for well for both of them actually for um first with Daly I mean I think the thing is yes she's always been the primary goal scorer she um but what I think separates her is that she makes dynamic runs. She um forces the opposition to always keep an eye on her. And that's really been I feel like the evolution of her game is in in the maturity of her game is has been, okay, listen, if I can't get myself if I'm gonna have a lot of eyes on me or teams keeping an eye on me in terms of defensively, then how can I have more of an impact? And Mm -hmm. we see her pulling out to the width to send balls in. To serve balls in, we see her dropping a little bit deeper sometimes to help create. And I think that's where Christy Mewis or Shake Room can rise and like have even more of an impact themselves because there are gaps that are being left from Rachel um leaving space open if she's going elsewhere in the field, right? So I think for Rachel yeah. Daily, it's not only just about scoring, it's about her movement to see if she can pull teams out and then leave leave space for um the two that I mentioned or even in the shell with had a really quality game in the semifinal. And then on the other side, exactly. I mean, with Kalia Watt, there's been big question marks for Chicago about, okay, who's going to score goals, right? And they've only mm-hmm. scored two um, leading into that semifinal <laughs> match. And then all of a sudden they scored three from three different players. Yeah. And it's- Hey, here we go. We've unleashed, hopefully. Uh, but I think w- the one thing that really stood out in that semifinal match is that, okay, there's been a lot of talk about Kalia Watt coming in. Can she be the goal scorer? And you know what? That actually might not be her role. She does so well to get get isolated and into 1v1 situations and take players on. And she looked the most confident and the most active in that game against Sky Blue on, on Wednesday. And she opened up a lot of space for other players and caused mm-hmm. a lot of issues. So honestly, if she embraces that role, then that could be what actually really propels Chicago forward in terms of finding um, the answer to the lack of goal scoring early on.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think what she did really well is is find that space behind the back line mm-hmm. where she was able to just kind of exploit that wing presence to, you know, kind of whip balls into the into the center. And like you said, maybe that is the role she needs to take on, not your central goal scorer, but someone who's really creating a lot of space and a lot of options and then having someone in the center, maybe it's Savannah McCaskill, finishing these chances off. Exactly. Uh, so who do you think comes out as Challenge Cup champions? I know uh, a lot of people were really low on Houston, me and inclu- myself included. Um, i'm like almost hundred percent sure I had them in the eighth spot going into <laughs> the uh tournament and probably losing to North Carolina in, in my mind before this all started and here we are you know heading into the final tomorrow um, and Houston's playing the red stars, which i don't, I really don't think many people expected if if at all
1: yeah i mean i didn't this is shocked me I had Chicago in the final um um, but I didn't have Houston and they have surprised me. It's been really fun to, to watch them grow and um, embrace this challenge throughout the tournament. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know because I, mm-hmm. I want to say that Chicago, um, their understanding of being in a final, being in more semifinals, having a core group will propel them. That experience goes a long way, especially in times of like, um, intensity when mm-hmm. they in, in in these type of championship games but sometimes just being knowing what you don't know is really important and having the energy that Houston has so both of these teams have some some really strong qualities and it. it's really going to come down to typically soccer does yeah sport does is to who's going to be able to execute that on the day because we saw both of these teams come out with high energy in the semifinals and that was the big difference maker for them is getting out on the front foot and causing some trouble and i'm curious in a game that's all on the line like this championship game will they both do that right and i have to give the edge to chicago to in that regard to to be able to get out on the front foot and having that leadership consistently um, an understanding of being in these positions that will propel them.
0: Yeah, I'm actually from Chicago, so that's great <laughs> news for me. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Chicago is, is the team that I would probably pick, but at this point, the Dash are just sort of riding this high that you know people are doubting them, and they're just knocking teams off one by one. And they're a scary team to face, honestly. Right now, um, obviously, like we mentioned, Rachel Daly's been playing phenomenally, and Christy Mewis, uh, Shay Groom has had some beautiful goals this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think personally, I think Chicago pulls this off. the The experience of being in so many semifinals in a final last year is just, I think that's what kind of propels them. Um, but yeah, overall, I. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm really excited about it. And uh, for the listeners, that's tomorrow, uh, Sunday. That's the 26th of July. Um, but, yeah, do you, do you have anything else you want to add or anything you want to say to the listeners, any anything like that? Um, please feel free to do so.
1: Uh, I mean, mainly just uh, tune in. It's been uh, an amazing ride, and I credit um, and congratulate... All the players, the Players Association, the league, Lisa um, Baird, our commissioner for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, pulling this off and and actually thriving in a situation that was really unknown and in many ways scary going into this. And what an exceptional job in in the voices that the players have had throughout has been unbelievable. So it should be a fun match. So tune in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's a, it'll be on uh, national TV, it's on CBS, um, so that's exciting as well. Uh, but, yeah, thank you so much, Lori, for coming on. We really appreciated it, uh, and I'm, I hope you had fun. I mean, we're glad to have you here.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. I did, and I appreciate you and what you're all doing.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, all right.